0: All right, what's up, Trace? How we doing today? We doing all right? Everybody doing good? Feeling good? Glad to be here. It's okay to be glad in church. You clap, it's good. It's a good thing. Hey, uh, I bet some of you have noticed this past week uh, something that's been kind of floating around on social media's, and uh, you probably saw it on Facebook or uh, maybe Instagram. And what people are doing is called the ten year challenge. People are going back and finding a picture from two thousand and eight, and then they're posting a picture from two thousand and eighteen. The ten year challenge. And so some people are saying like, "This is what age has done to me." In the last 10 years, so they're kind of putting their posts underneath that banner, and so I thought it'd be fun to participate in that. But instead of just posting a picture uh, of myself, I thought I would find one of Corey and me from 10 years ago. And so here's a picture of Corey and me from 10 years ago. Yeah, bring it on. Come on, come on, bring it. It's okay. We're just pups at this point in time, and so uh, we are both here with our first kids. And so we both had daughters, and they're, really, they're best friends now, which is really, really cool. And so before I show you the picture of us 10 years later, I need to warn you, like we both have four kids each now, and so uh, a decade of ministry has transpired, which can take its toll on you. And so here's our picture from 2018. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Time has been good to us time has been good to us. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you today, you can go ahead and open them up or turn them on to Romans chapter 6. And we're not going to jump right in there, but that's where we're headed today for the main text that we'll be teaching from. And so feel free to go ahead and do that. Uh, But once again, we'll get there here in just a few moments. I need to let you know something. I'm pretty pumped up today. I'm pretty pumped up about the message that God has laid on my heart because what I'm going to be talking to you about is something that I have experienced firsthand. It's probably the main reason why I left a previous career over a decade ago. I was a strength coach and a fitness professional, used to own my own health club, and I left all that behind because of the very thing that I'm going to be talking to you about today. But before we get there, let me remind you where we've been. You see, for the last few weeks, well, let me say it differently. A few weeks ago, we kicked off this new series called New, and we began this conversation with me standing up here and coming to you and saying, hey, what what if there was a newer better version of you, like not the version that you think you need to be, or maybe the version that others think you need to be, but what if there was a newer, improved version of you in the context of how God has designed you uniquely to be? And we kept coming back to this question. We determined that in order to get there, we would need to keep coming back to this question over and over again and answering it honestly. What is the wise thing to do? Not what do I want to do. What, not what feels right in this moment. Not what do they want me to do or he or she wants me to do. Maybe not what is going to give me instant gratification right now, but what is the wise thing to do? And we determined that if we would keep coming back to this question and start off a new year with this in place, we would probably end up living a life with fewer regrets. And I don't think there's anybody in here that, that that doesn't sound appealing to. And then last week, Corey got up here and he talked to us about how we can become a new creation in Jesus by putting our faith and trust in Christ that we become a new creation. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment. But today, today what I want to talk about is that this right here. Today, what I want to talk to you about is new life In Jesus. And the reason that this particular subject pulls an extra portion of passion out of me is because, like I already said, this is something that I have gotten to experience firsthand. This is something that I have gotten a front row seat to see what God can do with someone's life that's fully devoted to Him. Now, let me be very clear this is not a fairy tale story. I've been humbled and I've stumbled a lot along the way. But there was a moment in my life where I truly decided, God, I'm tired of being a fan of Jesus. Because many of us, unfortunately, find seasons in our life where we're just fans. In other words, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but are we truly following him? And I decided that I was done being a fan of Jesus, and I wanted to be a fully devoted follower of his. And friends, I got to see what God can do with a messy, undeserving life. And friends, what he's been able to do in and through my life, let me remind you again, stumbling and humbling along the way, what he's been able to do with my messy, undeserving life Is nothing short of a miracle and you know where I'm reminded of that every week when I get to stand right here and look out and be reminded of what God is doing in and through this place that we call Trace it's absolutely incredible and although it began here by saying yes to Jesus once that's not where it ends for us and it's not where it ended for me and in order to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus it's learning to do this over and over again and that leads me to my one thing New life in Jesus is set into motion with every small act of obedience. Ultimately, it's saying this, not just once, but saying this over and over again in our lives. But we do have something that's standing in our way. No, it's not the devil. Don't give him that much credit. What we have standing in our way, the biggest obstacle, if you ask me, that we have standing in our way is who we see every time we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror. I'm sure you've heard it said that we are often our our own worst enemy. One of the things I've been studying a lot here recently is self-leadership and the importance of self-leadership. And I could preach a sermon on that. Maybe I will in the future. I'm not going to go into it today. But, friends, we are typically our own worst enemy when it comes to small acts of obedience that will lead us into new life in Jesus. Maybe I could say it this way. One of the main things that is keeping us from experiencing new life in Christ is doing life on our own terms. Friends, one of the main messages that I want to get through to every single one of us today is that if you want to experience new life in Jesus, today is the time for you to stop doing life on your own terms. Now let me call a timeout for a second, because I think it's important to take a moment and make a couple of important distinctions when it comes to experiencing new life in Christ, because there's the potential here for you to hear something that I'm not saying, so let me be really clear up front here. What I'm not talking about is this idea of earning God's love. What I'm not talking about is doing a bunch of good stuff so that we can be good Christians. Maybe you've heard that described as legalism before, and we'll we'll walk legalism to the door of this church every time that we see it. This is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is experiencing new life in Christ by continuing to make these small steps of obedience that will stack on top of each other, leading us to experience the life that Christ has called us to. Live. Let me remind you, just for those of you that maybe are new to the church, maybe you need a little bit more emphasis here. You can't earn God's love. Let me remind you of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So this is, has nothing to do with us being good and doing enough good things in order for God to love us. And now I want to say this differently for the sake of maybe even just one person in here today, because I think you need to hear it this way. So listen, You have done nothing and you can do nothing to turn the loving gaze of your Heavenly Father away from you. Can I say it again? You have done nothing and you can do nothing to turn the loving gaze of your Heavenly Father away from you. Now, let me make one more distinction before we move forward. Last week, Corey talked to us about how we become a new creation in Christ. But being a new creation and experiencing new life in Christ is not the same thing. So let me begin by building this point by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from who? Let me try that again because they just got the slide up. All of this is from... God, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Thank the Lord for that. You see, putting our faith and trust in Jesus and turning away from our sin is what allows God's forgiveness to come into our lives so that our sins aren't counted against us. This is how we become new creation. Let me jump down just a couple verses and read this last passage. God made him who who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's the main point of this distinction. Listen up. So when you put your trust and faith in Jesus, you become a new creation in Christ. And becoming a new creation in Christ is all about what God did for you. Not what you did. It's all about what God did for you. But new life in Christ, new life in Christ is a little bit different. Because new life in Christ is set into motion with every small act of obedience. Friends, new life in Jesus is something that we build. It's our willingness to say this, not just once, but over and over and over again in every aspect of our lives. So what I'd like to do today is I want us to jump into Romans chapter 6. And I want to show you Paul build the case for the very thing that I'm speaking to you about right now. This idea that even though we have become a new creation, even though we have received the grace of God, does that mean we should just kind of do whatever we want then? I mean, we've already been forgiven. There's nothing that can take that forgiveness and that grace away from us. So should we just keep on sinning so that God's grace could increase? Paul says, no, that's, that's never going to get you to new life. And so let me show you how he builds the case for this. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, right? We're new creations. We are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized, this is a key passage for us today, we're going to come back to it later. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a, let's say it out loud, we too may live a New new life. But that's our choice. You see, becoming a new creation in Christ is what God has done for you, but learning how to live in new life in Christ is a decision that we have to make over and over and over again, choosing to walk away from sin and not into it. A couple weeks ago, Emily and I got the privilege of going down to Florida, and so we got to go to the beach and have some relaxing R&R, and it was really good, and uh, while we were there, I was walking down the beach and I saw some guys that were off the shore just a little bit and they were making kind of ruckus. It's like, what's going on out there? They'd obviously seen something. I thought it might have been like a sea turtle. I'm like, hey man, what's going on? It's like, there's some sharks out here. And I'm like, really? Like, what are you doing out there? Like, what's and they had some underwater cameras and so I decided to do something that was not wise. And so I wasn't listening to my own sermon. It, what's the wise thing to do? This wasn't it. And so I decided to wade out into the water and get as close to these sharks as I could. They weren't that far off the shore. And so here's a video I actually took going out in the water to see these sharks. Here they come. He's coming literally right Okay, me. So at this point, this 6 to 18-foot shark is... And yes, it will get longer every time I tell the story. Uh, it's headed right at me. I mean, this thing. I mean, I'm thinking Jaws at this point. This fin that's at least three feet tall is sticking out of the water, right? No, it's not that long. But uh, at this point, I can do one of two things. I can either stay there. Or I can turn around and run. And I can assure you, at this point, I've already left a trace of something in the ocean. So uh, I'm wondering, like, is this wise? I mean, am I, do I really want to stand here and see how close this thing gets to me? And actually did decide to stand as still as possible. And watch how close this 25-foot shark gets to me. Just watch this. Crazy. Oh, my goodness. That is crazy. Look at this. Holy cow. There you go. So here's the deal. If I got bitten, I couldn't have blamed anyone else. I couldn't have even blamed the shark. I knew he was there. It was a deliberate decision that I chose to walk out into the water and to confront the danger. Here's what I know about most of us. Most of us, when it comes to the sin in our life, something I'm pretty sure of, we're not accidentally doing it. When it comes to the sin in our life, most of us are deliberately making choices that we know that aren't saying yes to Jesus, ultimately we're saying "no" to Jesus. And even though I'm sure of that, that most of us are not accidentally sinning, what I'm not so sure of is that we understand the danger. In the book of Hebrews chapter three, it says that when we say "no to God," when we say "no" to the spirit, when we say "no" to Jesus," and we say yes" to sin," it says our heart becomes a little bit harder. And, friends, I want to make sure that you understand a point today that maybe you haven't taken the time to think about. When our heart becomes harder against the things of God, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. I've lived it. The early portion of my life, I knew who Jesus was. And there were often times where I would feel a conviction, especially when I was doing something deliberately against what I know he was calling me to do. And I've learned to describe this as stiff-arming the Holy Spirit. As God was saying, Aaron, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to go this way. Maybe this is a good time to remind you. God doesn't deal with guilt. He deals in conviction. In other words, when you feel something inside of you that's trying to move you away from that deliberate sin, it's not God saying, hey, you're a bad person and I want you to feel guilt. It's God saying, you're, move, you're, you're moving yourself away from me. You're pulling yourself out of my presence and where I want you in the new life that I've called you to. And so I'm going to give you some conviction to pull you in this direction. And when we stiff arm that and we put it, was like, no, 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 not today. Maybe someday, God. And that's, that was me. Not today, but someday. Someday I, I'll, I'll listen to that voice. As I continue to do that, my heart, it became harder And it became harder to hear the voice of god in my life i've never heard the voice of god audibly but it became harder to know when god was pulling me in a direction that he wanted me to go because i was just following the path of my most popular decisions which typically were saying no to the spirit and yes to sin friends this is why sin has to start losing its appeal in our lives. I had a senior pastor once tell me this, one of my previous senior pastors. I think this is a comment worth writing down, by the way. If sin doesn't lose its appeal as you mature in Christ, then you aren't maturing in Christ. Friends, I get it. Listen to me. Let's, just, let's have an honest dialogue this morning. Obedience, oftentimes it just feels like rules, doesn't it? I mean, nobody really wants to sit around and talk about obedience. It just sounds like a bunch of no's, I had a friend once tell me that she loved Jesus, but she could never be a Christian because she would have to say no to too many things that she liked. I'm thinking, man, what an honest response. See, sometimes obedience feels like an all-out assault on our desires. So if you don't understand the premise behind obedience, you may think that you're missing out on something better, but listen to me. You're not. You're not. I've been there you're not. Every small act of obedience leads us closer to this abundant life, this fullness of life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10 verse 10, what Paul talks about as the life that is truly life when he's writing to Timothy. Maybe the best way to say it is this, another comment that I think you should write down, obedience is not about what we have to say no to, it's about who we get to say yes to. Can I say it again? Obedience is not about what we have to say no to, it's about who we get to say yes to. And yes, let's be real, right? I mean, we get this. Sometimes the things that we're saying no to, they can offer you a good time, right? I mean, I think we get this. If you're not having fun when you're sinning, you're probably doing it wrong. But friends, take it from me. Listen to me. It won't last, and it won't lead you to new life in Jesus. Let's pick up in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin, but it's still our choice to walk away from it. Now, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Man, wouldn't that be an incredible banner for our lives? The life I live, I live for God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to what? From death to what? And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Friends, new life in Jesus is set into motion with every small act of obedience. How many of you guys remember this right here? Anybody? How many of you guys got the bracelet? I could be honest. Raise your hand. How many of you guys got the bracelet? Anybody get a tattoo? Anybody have a tattoo of it? No? All right. I remember this. I mean, it was a big thing. It was kind of era of time where everybody was like, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And so that kind of surfaced this week as I'm thinking through about what I wanted to talk to you about when it came to obedience and continuing to move in the direction of new life in Christ. And so I kept coming back to this, like, what would Jesus do? And I'm like, well, I'm going to spend some time on that. And so as I was spending time on this, I came up with this statement right here. Who cares? Who cares what Jesus would do if you're not willing to? Now, Josiah, our student pastor, who you got to meet a little bit earlier, he calls these tasty thoughts. And the reason why it's called a tasty thought is because when somebody says something like this, you've got to go like this, mmm, like, like you just ate a good chicken wing? Like, mmm. <laughs> so I'm going to read it again because this is a tasty thought. I'm going to read it again. I want, to, I want to get your best tasty thought response. Ready? Who cares if you know what Jesus would do if you're not willing to? That's good. That's good. Good job. We need to practice more tasty thought responses. <laughs> Listen to me. New life in Jesus, it's not going to be built on our comfort. New life in Jesus is not going to be built on your preferences you can't find it by following the ways of this world the current of this culture or even the path of popular opinion new life in jesus is found by saying this over and over again to every aspect of our life another statement worth writing down and it's amazing listen to me it is amazing what god can set in emotion with just one just one small act of obedience when I was 10 years old I found myself in the black mountains of North Carolina and I was there on a summer camp and it was during that time at 10 years old that I first said yes to Jesus and I made him the leader and Lord of my life when I was 19 I found myself in a jail cell and I realized that even though I had said yes to Jesus one time I wasn't continuing to say yes to him. In some very important places in my life, I was actually stiff-arming him because I knew what he wanted me to do, but I was oftentimes doing just the opposite. And so that night in that jail cell, I decided that I wanted to start saying yes to Jesus in all areas of my life, starting with the people that I hung out with and the decisions that I made on a daily basis. So that night, in a new way, I said yes to Jesus. When I was 22, and don't worry, I'm not going to go through every year of my life, When I was 22, God convicted me to use my messy story to specifically reach out to high school boys who were making some of the same bad decisions that I was making. And so I decided to go to my local church and ask them if I could start serving in the student ministry. And that was a big step for me. And so I went and I said yes to Jesus, and I started partnering with parents of specifically boys who were making some pretty dumb decisions. And God is still using those relationships to, to, to this day. It's incredible. When I was 23, I went to this event called Promise Keepers. Maybe some of you have gone to one of these events. And I went to this event called Promise Keepers. And I kind of grew up in this context of church where it's like, Jesus just needs you to be a nice guy. He just needs a bunch of Mr. Rogers out there. And for the first time in my life, I heard this message about, no, 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 God needs warriors. God specifically needs men who are willing to step up and step into the fight. Specifically, the fight and the battles that are willing to be fought. Not just you, but with others. The battles that matter the most in our lives. And for the first time in my life, I heard a message that I hadn't heard before. And so that night, I said yes to Jesus in a new way. And I decided to become not just another nice Christian guy, but to become a warrior. When I was 26, I was leading a bunch of high school students to... This thing called CIY, some of our students have been there. This one was up in Michigan. And while I was there, there was a leader, or it wasn't a leader, it was a speaker who got up. And he was speaking to the leaders, and he said, hey, some of you leaders in here, you thought you were just coming to lead these high school students, but God's calling you to something much bigger right now. God's calling you into full-time ministry, and you know it. Now, here's something you need to know. Emily and I had never had these conversations up to now. We'd never sat down and say, hey, what if I went into full-time ministry? I had a great career that I wasn't even thinking about walking away from. But in that moment, I felt God nudging me and convicting me and pulling me in his direction. And so that night, I said yes to Jesus, and I stood up and stepped into my calling to go into full-time ministry. When I was 29, I got this message to call this guy named Corey Bullock in Arizona, because he wanted to talk to me about being a sports pastor. I'm thinking, playing sports and talking about Jesus? I can do that. And when I came home, And again, Emily had no idea about any of this conversation about Arizona yet. I looked at her and I said, hey, babe, like, what would you think about moving to Arizona? And her response was, and I quote, hell no. (laughs) Just keeping it real. She is a heathen, though, if you know my wife, she is a heathen. No, I'm just kidding. She's right there. I love you, baby. You know, I'm just messing. (laughs) Yeah. But here's something you need to know, guys. We loved, we loved living in Kentucky. It's the holy land, right? <laughs> our families were all there, and we adored our family. We adored our church. We had great jobs. But ultimately we had learned that when we did this, it always led to something better. Not easier, but something better. And so we decided to say yes to Jesus and we left the bluegrass state and went to the desert. When I was 31, I was asked by my senior pastor down in Arizona if I would be willing to start a new church campus in one of the adjoining cities to where our main church location was. And I had no idea what that looked like. I would not done anything like that before in my life, but Emily and I prayed about it, and ultimately we decided to say yes to Jesus. And so we went out there, moved uh, to this city, and we started this new church Campus, and we began with about 275 people, and we were there for five years. When we left, I think we were between six and seven hundred people. And one of my pastors called me from down there just a few weeks ago, and he said, Hey, Aaron, you know that little church campus that you started about eight years ago? This past Christmas, we had three hundred, three, three thousand, three hundred and eighty seven people come to it. Last one, three and a half years ago, God put another calling in our lives to move to this place called Colorado Springs to start a brand new church. But to do it, I was gonna have to take a 50% pay cut and Emily was gonna have to go back and work full time for a little while. And we were leaving an incredible church with incredible friends and incredible support. And we were gonna start all over again in a city where we knew no one, in a city that was really cold. (laughs) But God made it abundantly clear that this is where he wanted Emily and myself. And in two years' time, friends, Trace Church has become the fastest-growing church plant in the state of Colorado. In two years' time, we have baptized. As of last service, there were seven more baptisms. So what is that, Corey, 85? I can't do, don't ever do math in public. It doesn't work. About 85 people. In two years' time, and next week, next week, we are planting another trace church yeah you can get it's amazing it's amazing what god can set in motion with one small act of obedience let me remind you that's not a fairy tale because i was stumbled i was humbled and i stumbled along the way but here's what i know listen to me Right now, there's an opportunity for everyone in this room to say yes to Jesus. For everyone watching online today to say yes to Jesus. For you, it might be reengaging your wife. For you, it may be taking more time for your kids. For you, saying yes to Jesus may be that you need to start giving to the church because you know you've been too stingy. I say that unapologetically. For you, it may be stopping that conversation or that relationship that never should have started. For you, saying yes to Jesus may mean telling the truth. Maybe for you it's starting to serve for the first time. Maybe for you it's saying, I'm sorry. For you, saying yes to Jesus today may mean that you need to put down the bottle. Maybe you need to put down the joint. Maybe you need to put down your phone. Maybe you need to stop putting others down because your mouth gets the best of you sometimes. You know that. You struggle with gossip. But whatever it is for you, here's what I want everyone to do. I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down because all of us, All of us have something, and I don't even need to convince you of this, all of us have something in our life right now that we know we need to say yes to Jesus. And it may mean you need to stop doing something, but ultimately you're still saying yes to Jesus. There's an area in our life where we know we need to say yes to Jesus, and I want you to write it down. Whether you get your phone out here in a minute and do it, whether you go out back there and write it on our back walls and it says 10,000 traces, I think that's a way that you can leave a trace of God's love today by going back there and saying, this is where I need to say yes to Jesus. But here's something that I know some of you are already doing, and I'm going to get in your face on purpose. Some of you are already saying, yeah, 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 I, I know what you're saying here and I get it. It makes sense. I'm convicted. Someday. Today is the day that you stop doing life on your own terms. If you want to go into a new year and not get a year removed from today, looking back and you're in the same place that you've always been then today, today is the day that you stop doing life on your own terms. Because I think every one of us knows this. You're not going to get to new life in Christ in disobedience. It's just not going to get you there. And so make someday today. Make someday today. For some of you, this is what this is going to look like. For some of you during our time of response, you're going to need to come up here and walk up here and grab one of these towels because today for you, the best way that you can say yes to Jesus is be obedient in baptism. Let me remind you of a verse that we've already read together. From Romans chapter 6, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Beautiful symbolism here, if you understand the symbolism behind baptism. When you're baptized and you go underneath that water, it represents you dying to doing life on your own terms. When you go underneath that water, it's dying to doing life on your own terms. And something that we often say when we're baptizing people, when you come out of that water, you're being raised to walk a new life in Christ. The best decision, the best way that some of you can say yes to Jesus today is by coming up here and grabbing one of these towels. Not someday. Make someday today. Let me finish what he says there. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Friends, I have gotten to experience it firsthand. Yes, humbled and stumbled along the way. And if there's anything that I could wish for you today is to live new life in Christ. And this is one of the most important decisions that you'll ever make. Now, for some of you, it's not that you haven't believed in Jesus. For some of you, it's not that you haven't asked Jesus to come into your life, but for whatever reason, you've just never been baptized. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, and if that, were, that was you, man, that's awesome that your parents made that decision, but we don't ever see babies be, being baptized in the New Covenant. We want to do things the way that Jesus did, and Jesus himself was baptized as an adult. I would encourage you to do that today. For some of you, maybe you were baptized in the past, and it was for all the wrong reasons, to impress her or him or them, your parents, or maybe the church that you were a part of made you do it, all the wrong reasons. When it comes to baptism, this is between you and your Heavenly Father. And so when I pray here in just a moment, there's going to be several ways that we can respond. I'm going to pray, and for some of us who have already made this decision, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate with something called communion. And there are four stations around the room where these crosses are, and we take a cracker that represents the body of Jesus, and we dip it in a cup that represents his blood. But can I encourage you, for those of you that will be doing that today, remember that that wasn't just a one-time decision that you made. As you go up and you take those emblems, I want you to be reminded that you need to continue to say yes to Jesus. And again, I wanna encourage you to write it down somewhere. Where do you need to say yes to Jesus today? For others, you need to go back to one of our prayer tables and you need to write out a prayer request. For others, you need to go back and write out your, I said yes to Jesus on the back wall and how you decided to do that. But still for others, what you need to do after I pray, you need to walk up here and you need to grab one of these towels and we're gonna have people on the left and right of the stage And they're going to show you what to do. And if you didn't come prepared, it's okay. We're we're prepared for you. We've got some clothes for you to change into. Last service, seven people said yes to Jesus and were baptized. We can give it up right now for that because that's amazing. Today is the day that you stop doing life on your own terms. Today is the day that you say yes to Jesus again. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to encourage you to respond. And what's going to happen, the way this is going to look, as people come forward and decide to get baptized, uh, we're not going to stop worshiping. We're going to worship two different ways. The band's going to be leading us through two of my favorite songs. The first one is called Reckless Love. And for some of you, this is going to feel a little bit reckless. Perfect song. And as they sing... You're going to see people go underneath the water and be buried in the waters of baptism, being raised to walk a new life in Christ. That's the representation. And we are going to celebrate like no one's business. In Luke chapter 14 or 15, one of those two, I should know that, but I can't remember which one it is. It says that every time someone does this, the angels celebrate. I want you to celebrate with the angels today. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to encourage you to respond. Father, right now, some people have a big lump in their throat because they know that there's something that they need to do, but they're still struggling on whether or not to do it. And just like you pulled me up out of that chair when you called me into full-time ministry and I didn't even want to stand up, Father, I pray that you move people's feet forward to grab one of these towels and to say yes to Jesus today and to stop doing life on their own terms because it will never get them to new life in Christ. So, Father, I pray that your spirit moves powerfully in this moment and God, May we join with your angels celebrating new life in Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.